Good afternoon, HR professionals. It's lovely to see you. I'm killing a bit of time here as everyone gets logged on, so we're ready to start bang on 12. Um, this is normally, in the real world, when we would all be meeting, my favourite event of the year, where we, we spend some time mingling and catching up with HR professionals, many of whom I've known for best part of 20 years actually along with the team here so um, in some ways slightly sad to to be doing this in a different way but that's the way the world is at the moment and it's very odd to be talking into the vacuum but I hope you can hear me I, I hope we're coming through loud and clear and um, yeah just wanted to uh, say hello before we begin and introduce all the hosts today so um, generally speaking at this point after getting everyone sat down we would talk about um, things like turning your mobile phones off and uh, moments like that, the fire drill perhaps. Now clearly there's no need for that today in the event that uh, you do hear a fire alarm. It's yours, it's in your house and run, please run outside to the front garden. Um, instead I guess the modern version of that is to uh, ask the teenagers to get off the wi-fi, um, to um, hope that the postman doesn't turn up and set your pets off. Um, and generally sit back, relax, and enjoy some uh, some time. So basically, over to our plan for the day. Um, this is our first Lunch and Learn webinar, basically, in association with Andy Norpel at Synchrony Law and Wendy Ladd from AWL Occupational Health. Um, obviously, the new year has brought in a lot of new challenges with the new lockdown, and, and we want to do the best to keep you guys informed as best we can during this challenging period, really. Um, so, topical day. I didn't realise it's time to talk day today, I believe, which is a, a nice link with our mental health topic today. I mean, even, even before the most recent lockdown was announced, many employers had decided that their staff would be unlikely to return to the workplace for a number of months. It now seems unlikely that office life will return to any kind of normality before Easter at the earliest. Um, you know, many of us have been happy to work from home. Others have really missed previous interactions with their colleagues um, and some somewhere in between, really. Um, Andy and Wendy are going to spend time today looking at employee mental health and the related issues arising out of the pandemic and the lockdown. Um, they're going to discuss what problems are likely to arise and focus on how employers should deal with them. So hopefully some good legal practice and some pragmatic advice. Now, um, as I mentioned, this is our first webinar or my first webinar. I think Andy and Wendy are hardened professionals. So please forgive any tech errors. I am a, a webinar virgin today and uh, doing my best. Um, but moving on, I just wanted to very briefly introduce you or reintroduce you to the team. Um, those of you who have known us a long time will know all the guys you see in front of you. There's uh, myself, um, Alexander Lloyd, 18 years now, life sentence. Uh, Damien, who's moved over to the HR team last year and heads that up, along with Theo and Danielle. Basically, if you don't know what we do, um, which is unlikely, but we work in the HR talent acquisition market, helping HR directors, MDs and CEOs source the best HR talent across Surrey, Sussex, Kent and London. So if that is of interest to you, please drop us a line. Not only do we, uh, another plug I'm afraid, not only do we recruit, but we've also made uh, a robust podcast. Um, we, we produce it ourselves. We've been talking to a number of HR leaders over the last 10 months or so. Um, it's available on our YouTube channel to watch, 
or on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. So um, if you can't find it, drop me a line, but it's pretty easy to find. But there's a, a whole bunch of quite interesting interviews with HR leaders based in your local geography area, um, talking about the kind of challenges they faced really over the last 12 months. Some of them very, very linked to COVID and the pandemic, some just general HR change pieces. So um, with no further ado, we're gonna dive on into the um, presentation. So I will just stop sharing my screen now. Basically, um, two things to tell you. At the end of the presentation, there'll be a chance for a Q&A uh, session. So I'll manage the Q&A panel. So any questions you've got, please drop them in the Q&A panel and we'll address those at the end of the presentations. Um, equally, anyone on this call, we will email you a feedback form. So uh, after the event, you'll get a feedback form to just complete electronically and send back to us. We really value your feedback. It lets us know how today went and also uh, what we should do next time, really. So thanks in advance for that. Um, but that's quite enough from me. I'm going to hand over to Andrew and uh, hope you're sitting comfortably. Lovely to see you and uh, speak soon. Many thanks. Hello, good afternoon, everyone. Um... Today, uh, Wendy and I are going to be talking to you about mental health and related issues arising out of the pandemic and lockdown. So we've both got some, uh, some slides for you. And in the first instance, what I'm going to do is try and get those uh, slides up for you. So. So just a, a bit about the current, uh, current situation, obviously, which uh, you're all familiar with. Uh, now, in the third lockdown, we've been told that schools in England, I'm going to focus on England here, will not return before the 8th of March. That means we've got at least another four weeks for parents to be homeschooling. Hopefully, at the end of February, the government will have enough information about when they think lockdown will end. Will it continue beyond that? Will we go back to the tiered system? We'll need to wait and see. Uh, you'll have seen various announcements over the last few days about how the vaccinations are going and uh, the planned timetable. Um, the, the, the date for uh, over 70s and frontline workers uh, seems to be changing. Uh, it was the end of February, it now seems to be the 15th of February. Um, and by that time, there'll be another 14.6 million people uh, vaccinated. Over 50s and other adults with underlying health conditions by the end of April. And uh, if you're lucky enough to be, uh, to be younger than that, um, although you'll have to wait then for the vaccination, the rest of the adult population will be by autumn 2021. That's another 21 million people. So. With everything that's been going on, people have been obviously working at home wherever they are able to do so, but have they actually been happy to be working at home? How has the lockdown and the pandemic in general uh, affected them? Now, uh, my 18-year-old daughter used to say to me when she was younger, uh, to be honest, not so recently um, too, that ev everybody has different taste buds when we try to get her to eat anything new and she didn't like it. It's true about how people have been coping with the pandemic and lockdown. We all have been getting on with it in different ways. Some people have found it easier to get on with than other people. 
Uh, some people have found that it's been fantastic. Other people, really not their thing. So let, let's look at uh, what's been good and bad. Um, I think it's definitely the case that working at home, we have fewer interruptions because people aren't dropping by. And that, to a degree, should allow greater productivity. Um, the trouble is, when you're at home, you've got many things that can distract you, which aren't there if you're in the office in a dedicated work environment. People have loved not having the commute. It means you haven't had that, however long it may be, 10 minutes, half an hour, an hour or more, time which you might say is wasted. Unless you're on your phone all the time whilst you're on your commute. The trouble is for many, many people, that commute was what I call me time. It was for you. It was for you to relax into the day or prepare for the day, to think through the day. At the end of the day, you'd relax on your way home. It was that kind of buffer between home life and work time when you could decide what you wanted to do with it. And without that, you've lost that me time. And your life, your work life, your home life, the boundaries have blurred. Where does it start? Where does it begin? That's not necessarily a good thing. It's great that you can spend more time with the family, says the people who love spending time with their family. But is that always such a good thing? Some people don't necessarily want to be spending so much time with their family. Some people may be living on their own. They may not be able to spend time with their family when they're stuck at home. Working at home also gives you the opportunity for added flexibility throughout the working day. You can do this, that, the other. You can walk out in the garden, you can make the, the call to the whoever it may be. But what about for all those people who've got homeschooling at the moment on top of their work? Yes, it gives you the flexibility that perhaps you can start your work later, I know, where uh, two parent families, they share uh, the homeschooling um, between them and some will start work early before they, they take on the homeschooling and then other people will work into the evening. That's great for some, but when is the end of the day? When will you actually be finishing? And when you are by yourself working from home, what, what's missing? What is often missing is what happens just because you are there, just because you are with people. Those water cooler moments, or if you don't have a water cooler and you've got one of the taps in the kitchen, equate it to that, the office kitchen. You have those interactions, they spark things between you, whatever it may be. That time is no longer there unless you deliberately put time aside for it. And that is a good thing to do. Just set aside some online coffee time. I do that with my colleagues. My colleagues do it with me, whichever way you want to, want, want to have it. We have that time where we just set aside an hour every Tuesday where we will just chat, talk about the work that we're doing, how we're getting on, everything that affects us. We've got that time, it spurs us to do other things. Another thing that is missing if you're working at home is that opportunity just to be there, to be able to shadow 
more senior colleagues or have more, you're the more senior colleague, have those more junior colleagues with you. We're still having meetings, but they're not meetings in person with customers, clients, or however we may, we may be, uh, whoever we may be meeting with. So those online meetings, bring people into them. Ask if you can bring a more junior colleague in. They may simply be sitting there for experience. But they need to be able to learn, to be able to grow. And you've got people who may even have just started with your business during lockdown. I know many people, including myself, who have changed jobs during lockdown. And you've got to get to know your new colleagues. You've got to get to know the people that you're dealing with. So invite your junior colleagues to meetings or ensure that your senior colleagues invite the more junior colleagues into meetings as well. It's also very easy to lose track of what's actually happening in the organization in which you work. Individuals can be forgotten whilst you're managing the business, but management includes bringing all the staff in making sure that they're aware of what you've been doing, how the, business is, how the business is going. It generates a feeling of inclusivity. It means that people don't feel they're by themselves. So having regular video catch-ups can assist in part in bringing people together, making sure that they do feel part of that wider organization and they're not on their own. It can give you the opportunity to explain, well, what, what are you doing with staff? And, the, uh, and, and what, uh, what is available for them? But to be honest, your junior colleagues probably don't want management involved in every single social meeting that they're having or any, every update that they're having. They will want to have dealings amongst themselves. And it is so easy for them not to have that. Many people will just do that automatically. They will just gather together by themselves. Encourage them to do that, whether it be at lunchtime or in the evening. But obviously, it's not a three-line whip. It's not something they're forced to do. They don't have to do it. They don't have to socialize. In the same way as they wouldn't have to socialize if they were in the office. Another thing that you have if you're in the office, if you have, you, you have that opportunity after you have met with individuals and they, they, perhaps you've been carrying out a piece of work together or you've been meeting a customer online or whoever it may be that you're meeting online, you can give that immediate feedback to your colleagues as you're walking perhaps back to your office or wherever, or you could stay in the meeting room afterwards. You've got to do the virtual version of that. If you're having a video call, having a video meeting with other with third parties, encourage staff to remain on the call afterwards or depending upon how the call has been set up, have a call back straight afterwards. So you can immediately say to them, you know, all those things that you would have said to them and ask them questions about did they understand, etc. Feedback to them, give them the instruction of perhaps what then what they're required to do next immediately after that. Again, it, it generates that sense of inclusivity, that you're all part of 
a single organization and it allows them to grow as well and to understand what's going on. But you never know what your colleagues or your direct reports might want to talk to you about. You know, there's been occasions when you've just perhaps gone to speak to your boss or your reports and your colleagues have just come to speak to you just off the cuff or set up a meeting uh, and say, can I, can, can I just have a word with you a bit later? You need to be doing that as well online. I've heard of many, many people who set aside time, say, you know, every Thursday between two o'clock and four o'clock in the afternoon, that's the time for anybody in the team to come to me with any, any questions that they might have, anything they want to talk to about. And those, and you know, they, they could book in a, whatever it might be, a 10 minute, 15 minute slot uh, with you over that, that hour or couple of hours uh, that you've set aside in, in, in that week. And those, you know, those slots do get booked up. People do want to talk. They do want to take the opportunity just to chat. What other concerns and frustrations might there be going on? Well, everybody is concerned about the ongoing risk of infection or in the enhanced risk of infection if you're perhaps vulnerable or you're, you live with someone who is vulnerable as well. It doesn't matter if they or you have had the vaccine yet, we're all still concerned. We don't know yet, although there is some data coming out, whether having had the vaccine means that you're less likely to transmit it as opposed to just suffer from, from, from the symptoms. It's looking good, but until many weeks have passed and the data has been crunched, we don't actually know. And so for a long time yet, we're going to be concerned about that risk of infection. We may be concerned about homeschooling. Are we a good homeschooler, a not so good homeschooler? Obviously, the more children you have who are having to be homeschooled, the harder it is. Same applies if you're a carer, whether you're caring for someone within your own home or within your bubble. Or even if you're concerned about people who are vulnerable who aren't in your home or you're vulnerable. These are all things that can impact on how you're feeling. When you're at work, you know that you're working uh, uh, in, in an office uh, environment. You know that the working space is set up for how you need it to be. When you're at home, most people have set up their own home working space, and it, it, it may not be the best. And Wendy will come on to that. They may be concerned about, well, you know, how's my back going to be? Is my, is, is my screen in the right place? Do I have enough screens? All that kind of thing. People who are in uh, the early stages of their career will be thinking, well, hang on a sec, if I'm not getting in front of my more senior colleagues, how are they able to see what I'm doing? How are they able to see how well I'm doing or what I need to develop my career? People need to have those same opportunities even online, but they can still have those concerns about them. And to be honest, they're going to have their concerns about job security and financial well-being as well, particularly if at some stage perhaps they've been furloughed or other people in their organisation have been furloughed. And there are many organisations, of course, that have made redundancies, particularly if they themselves were part of a pool 
uh, managed to retain their role. But, you know, there's still that concern until we know exactly where we know we are in, in a good number of months time. People also have that natural feeling of, well, there's some people who are just getting paid to do no work. Where here I am, I'm stuck at work and I'm, uh, and I'm getting paid for it. Or I've even accepted whatever it may be, a five, 10 percent reduction in my pay. There's that feeling that you know, I'm having to do this and others haven't uh, done it. It could be, actually, that you're, they're not working at home at all, that they're having to be in the workplace, in the office workplace or, or, or on the, uh, the workplace uh, floor. Whereas other people don't have that commute. They don't have to travel into work. They don't have to go onto public transport because they can work from home. All these can build up frustrations. Another thing people have got that are working remotely is that the video environment, you know, we're all now, as we are, you know, as we're doing at this very moment, we're, we're doing things online, we're operating this video environment. And for people like uh, myself and Wendy, you'll see that we've got, um, you know, backgrounds you know, showing the rooms that we're sitting in. Simon has, has a corporate background. We all have concerns about what is the appropriate background when we are on a Teams or a Zoom call. We may not want people to be seeing into our personal lives, into our, you know, into our homes. We may, we may you know, people may think, oh, no, look, they're having to work in the kitchen or, you know, you know look, at, look at their kitchen. People might think, well, I don't want people to see that I've just had a brand new extension when I know that, they're, that they're, they've had a pay cut. It's all, no, it's just other, other concerns. Our homes are, though, our working spaces for those working at home. And we do need to see each other. Actually seeing people in, you know, seeing, seeing their faces is so important to building and maintaining those working relationships. Just being on audio, it, it isn't the same. But people are sensitive and people have other things going on in their lives. So when you are intruding to a degree into their personal lives, be sensitive as to the timing of those intrusions, even though those intrusions may ordinarily be in what you consider to be the normal working day. What else can you do? What else can you do to assist your staff and get through this? You may find that certain colleagues are reticent to participate online. They sit there, muted, video off, and they don't say anything. You may find that they're not asking for work as much as they might have done if they were in the office. Or alternatively, it might be that they're new members of staff and they actually don't know how the office worked when you were all you know, in, in the same building together. I've mentioned before, before about feedback. Be proactive in providing timely feedback. It's far easier when you're own to dwell on what well, was that piece of work, a good piece of work. Be, give timely feedback. Invest time, eff, uh, effort and empathy in managing and supervising your staff and your teams. 
And when you are communicating with them, make it sound like you want to invest that time, effort and empathy in, uh, in your relationships and that you want to facilitate that their participation in the organization, in the team and just in your one to one management relationship with them. People are going to be lonely. They are going to feel isolated if they are working from home. You need to engender that sense of belonging to try and minimize. I've said avoid, but to be honest, you can't always avoid it to, to minimize those feelings. Take that time out. Check how staff are actually coping. And if you feel that, you know, asking certain questions would you know, intrude, would invade their privacy. Do the standard trick. Ask open questions. Give them the opportunity to open up to you. And by having verbal calls as well, rather than audio calls, it minimizes the risk of you missing those non-verbal signs. You will be able to see from that, how do they look? It's so easy, isn't it? If you don't have to go on uh, video to perhaps stay in your pajamas all day or to be unkempt. We all feel it from time to time. But if you're actually working from home and you're, you, know, you only have to be on audio, you can actually go down that route. But it is in everyone's interest that we do have that boundary. When you're working, yeah, let's change that mindset into your working mindset. Make sure that everyone is in that mindset. And if people perhaps aren't in that mindset, you can then pick it up and deal with it at an earlier stage. The title of you know, today's uh, webinar was all about mental health. We need to consider whether mental ill health is a relevant issue for particular members of staff. They're going to keep it potentially hidden as well from you. It's not something that many, many people want to own, own up to until something goes wrong. And there's far more opportunity for mental ill health to arise in lockdown and working from home. Always, always consider reasonable adjustments. If people make requests to adjust their working hours, workloads, or perhaps their workplace setup, remember, you know, you, you do have health and safety obligations there as well. Do always consider those. And perhaps as well, be proactive. If you feel that certain adjustments would be relevant, you know, perhaps suggest them. Not all of them will be taken up. Not all of them will be appropriate. And where appropriate, obtain occupational health advice. Don't leave it too long before doing that. You wouldn't leave it too long if you were all together in the workplace. Don't leave it too long if you're working from home. And I know at the end of the day, under the equalities that, uh, you know, uh, under the Equality Act, with a very specific definition of disability, you'll only ever be at the very end of the day that an employment tribunal decides if somebody is actually disabled. But really, you don't want to be getting to that stage. So always, always treat mental ill health 
as though it's a disability and consider what reasonable adjustments might need to be made. Make proactive inquiry and hopefully you can reduce the risk of discrimination arising from disability where some things are happening and you didn't even realise that it stemmed because someone was suffering mental ill health. As I said, get that occupational health advice at the earliest, earliest stage that is, you know, that it is sensible to do so. Hopefully you have been putting questions um, through the system as uh, was suggested by Simon at the beginning. We will pick up on those at the end. It feels very odd not to answer them um, um, as, as, as we're going along. Um, but that's the end of my section uh, now. So hopefully what I will do is uh, I will stop sharing my slides and uh, pass on to Wendy, who will uh, talk to you uh, about uh, her session. Thank you. Thank you very much, Andrew. Okay, so I'm now going to do the brave thing as well and try and share my screen. I wasn't brave enough to have it all set up because I've got stuck that way before. So bear with me while we, there we go. Okay, so I'm Wendy Ladd. I'm an occupational health nurse by, is my day job. Um, and I run the company AWL Occupational Health. I have an interest in mental health, hence really pleased to be speaking to you today. So thank you. So as Andrew has said, there's many influences on mental health at the moment. And I think it's really important that first of all, we do make sure we understand what we're talking about when we talk about mental health. We need that basic understanding if we're going to be able to support other people. So I am going to touch on what occupate, what mental health actually is. And remind you, first of all, that as defined by the World Health Organization, it is a state of complete physical, mental and social well-being. It's not just about the absence of disease or infirmity. It all sits together to, to form health. So again, mental health. Again, defined by the World Health Organization as a state of well-being in which every individual realizes his or her, her own potential, can cope with the normal stresses of life, can work productively and fruitfully, and is able to make a contribution to his or her community. Of course, everything's been thrown upside down, Yes, what was normal is no longer normal. Everybody does have mental health, the same as they do physical health, and the levels of both can vary. We all know that we can be maybe not quite so physically healthy, and that's the same with mental health. It's a continuum, it can go up and down. As you can see there, what mental health actually is, it's about how we think, feel and behave. Our ability to learn, how we deal with negative things, Obviously our levels of resilience come in there, our self-esteem and confidence, and all these things are things that are going to affect work. The image on the side there, I'm not okay, and that's okay. You might well have seen that one, but I think it's also okay at the moment to say that you are okay, because at the moment there's a lot of guilt going on, and I'm gonna come back to that one. You don't need to feel guilty if actually you're feeling okay. So 
I wanted to demonstrate the importance of seeing the bigger picture as well, that without some vital elements of keeping of things like um, food, water safety, those basic things, they're the important building blocks of health. And if we take anything out, we might just topple. So what do we normally do to stay mentally healthy and function well? All of these things, we need to have a purpose. We need to have things to look forward to, a feeling of belonging, as well as the things that we know about, the balanced, healthy diet, the exercise, good sleep is vital. Social interaction, and as Andrew said, at the moment, some people are living on their own. They're not having any social interaction. The importance of keeping learning and giving, you know, some people are used to being able to, to give their time voluntarily, um, things like that, and suddenly all that's been taken away. Oh, of course, we know we're now on lockdown three. You don't need me to remind you that last month, last March, sorry, gosh, if it only was last month, we had the first national lockdown and it soon became really obvious that this was gonna have an effect on people's health, both mental and physical. They're all the typical worries, the shopping, the shortage of loo rolls, people's jobs, how they were gonna pay the bills, being confined to the home. Some people just don't like being indoors, maybe in an abusive relationship. Their routine and structure suddenly gone. Like Andrew said, the commute no longer being there, which can be a vital part of people's days. Some people overthinking things and worrying, others not conforming, but importantly, people's coping strategies were taken away. So people that would go to the gym regularly for their relaxation, their well-being, they couldn't. The swimming pools closed. Access to other social support networks gone. Hobbies and classes closed. All the things that normally people would do, perhaps just pop into the pub to have a, a chat with their mates, couldn't do it. And people turned then to the comfort eating, drinking more alcohol. Also people couldn't access their GPs. They felt they shouldn't bother their GP. So of course that also impacted on both mental and physical health. So when you look at that as a bigger picture, you can see how in whatever way it's likely that everybody has been affected. What I want to do now is just take a moment just to see that actually everybody sees things differently, experience things differently. Um, and it's really important that we, to be able to support somebody, understand that actually our experiences of life will affect how we believe other people might. And actually we need to let that go. So our experiences, for example, how we see things. Our window of the world might look like this. Or does it look like that? Or like that? For example, if we've only ever known good housing, friendly, um, office place, good family, kind. We're not going to be able to imagine really what it's like for somebody that hasn't got those things if somebody else's window of the world is not the same as ours. So it's really important to try and understand their situation without being judgmental 
or be by being influenced by our own experiences. We need to try and put ourselves in their, their shoes as such. And of course, also remembering that we're asking people to share their personal space. We all have a different view based upon our own experiences. Really important to remember that and remain non-judgmental. So you might think to yourself, well, why have I got a picture here of the sea and different boats? Well, I'm sure you've all heard people say that we're all in the same storm, but let's just take a minute to think about that. Obviously there are people in different vessels, if you like, and maybe those with the posh yacht have got it easy, maybe, maybe more bearable. But actually, does your mental health follow that? I think you could be in that yacht, but still have poor mental health. And I think it's easy to forget that. We might be tempted to compare. We might hear people say about someone, well, they're okay. They've got a big house, nice garden, but actually poor mental health can affect anyone. When we look back to what we said we've lost through lockdown, we need to remember these things. Back to what I said about physical and mental health both being together, the mind-body connection. We need to remember the effect of stress as well, which of course is not a medical condition, but it can lead to health problems, including depression and anxiety, for example. Stress, stress can be from many things, including discomfort. Again, Andrew mentioned working from home and workstation set up. How many people actually have got their workstation set up as you know, as ergonomically as possible, have they got the correct chair or have they made do with a dressing table or dining room table? Is that causing them pain? Pain leads to stress. Stress leads to poor mental health. Again, Andrew's mentioned some of these other things. Um, the other anxieties, masks, you know, there's so many people that feel they can't wear a mask, the fear of being unwell. And then the comparison I've mentioned, you know, people feeling that actually comparing themselves to other. And then of course there's the privilege, those feeling actually I'm okay because I've got whatever. And then the guilt and guilt of course is in itself a problem, can affect mental health. Those with pre-existing medical conditions, the shielding, pre-existing mental health problems, some might be better off because they're safe in their space. Others might not be able to do their coping strategies as mentioned. So guilt, various examples there. People might compare that their life is actually better during quarantine. They might feel that actually they're quite privileged. They might feel guilty because they are still working whilst others have lost their jobs. They might now be making more money or of course lost money. They might feel guilty because they're okay when others aren't. They might feel guilty that they're not doing very well with homeschooling. They might feel guilty that they can't visit their elderly relatives or perhaps attend a funeral that they would normally have done. And they might be feeling guilty for taking personal responsibility for other people's illness. If for example, they'd brought COVID back into the home. So, long list of what the signs of um, poor mental health are. 
you don't need me to go through all of those. I'm sure you're very familiar with those things. Um, the important thing to notice is there's lots of them. Some people might already be quite tearful, have an aggressive body language. That might be normal for them. So what's important is do you notice a change? Less interest in appearance. Now, that's quite an interesting one because, as Andrew said, you know, some people perhaps aren't worrying about getting dressed up for work now they're working from home. Something that maybe, again, you'll just change and notice over time. So it's important to, to notice these things. So what can we all do? Well, it's really important to remember that we need to look after ourselves as well. So we perhaps think about where the workstation is set up. Can it be separate from your living or your sleeping space? Can you close it all away at the end of the day? The importance of keeping moving. So again, not just for yourselves or your staff, but really important that you perhaps encourage it amongst your teams. 20 to 30 minutes of moderate physical activity daily and then strengthening and balance exercise at least twice a week. Thinking about relaxation techniques, letting it all go, the mindfulness, any unhelpful thoughts that come in, like those guilt feelings that we mentioned, accept them, challenge them, move on. Really important to maintain a good sleep pattern. People may be not doing the, the walking that they were before and their sleep's now been affected. Again, of course, sleep can be affected from poor mental health. Keep connected, chat, chat to family, friends, work colleagues, and be kind to yourself. And for, for you guys as HR, as managers, you need to look after yourself and be kind to yourself in order to be able to help others. Be organized and plan the practical things. There's so much negativity if you listen to the news and read social media. So it might be that you just need to turn that off. It might be that you can suggest that to your teams, your colleagues, if they need to switch that off. Talk. It's normal to feel a bit worried. We, we all know that at the moment people are scared, they're worried, they're feeling helpless, they can't help as they would normally. Obviously review lifestyle choices. We do know that eating healthily and drinking plenty of water Avoiding smoking and drugs and drinking too much alcohol is not good for us. So we need to think about our healthy lifestyle choices. Even if it's limited, try and make some plans, things to look forward to. And try and stay healthy. Thinking about what hobbies you like to do, craft, reading, all those other things that are really good. Creativity is great for mental health. So as HR, what can you do? Well, the first thing, of course, is to ask. Ask how people are, but then you need to listen. You know, we're all very good at asking, but then actually not really listening. And as I said, everybody's different. Everyone's view of the world is different. To help mental health, we know there are a number of things such as exercise, as I've said, the structure in our day. And suddenly people's routines have gone. So maybe they need some help just to to get together a, a structure and a routine. When are they going to log on? When are they going to log off? If they're having to um, manage the homeschooling. Maybe when you have a, a meeting with them, if it's a telephone meeting, you could actually encourage movement, maybe go for a walk, obviously thinking about health and safety. Be understanding. 
Look out for those warning signs, those changes in people's behaviours that I mentioned. Obviously refer to occupational health, as Andrew said, rather than wait till it's too late. Maybe you've got an EAP that you can signpost towards. Maybe you've got mental health first aiders or perhaps provide some other support resources. Think about how you're communicating to the people. So think about how you say it. Rather than, are you able to get out for some exercise? You could change that to, what exercise have you had today? It just changes the tones of your questions. Are you able to get out for some fresh air? Or what have you done to get fresh air? Thinking about the words that you're using, things like the word why can be quite challenging. So you might say, I'm just wondering what's prevented you from doing whatever it might be. Maybe thinking about if someone is discussing the work that they've done, that they haven't been able to manage something, you know, twist that and reframe it. So yet actually what you have done is this. And then of course, everyone again is different. Some people might need praise. Some people might think that you're being condescending if you say, well, that's really good. So you need to know your staff and your teams. You might consider a wellness action plan. I'm not sure whether you're familiar with those or a wellness recovery action plan. Um, Mind have got a very good example and there's a link at the end on the end of my slides. It is a tool that you can use to promote ongoing discussion and it includes information about when and why the person might become unwell and what keeps them healthy. And it might be also including how they do want to be communicated if they need that encouragement, that praise, that structure, or if they don't. Andrew said about open questions. What about targets? Now, I think that's quite an interesting one. Some people might not be able to manage targets at the moment. Some people might need targets to give them the motivation. Again, that's something to discuss with each individual because we are all different. If you're really worried about somebody, then signpost them to local support, advise them to contact their GP. If they're saying things like, what's the point in living, for example, don't be afraid to ask if they're having any suicidal feelings. It's far better to ask. Get the help if they need it. Would you know if people are home alone, if they've got family? Yeah, that would then, in the workplace, class them as a lone worker. Would you know? Have you got access to their address if you did feel you need to call emergency services? So maybe think about those things as well. If you're really worried, get professional help. So where are we now? What's next? Well, the way I see it is time to buckle up for what is going to be a bumpy ride. We don't know how long this is going to take, but it is going to be bumpy, but we will get there. Lots of positives coming through. But what's next? Don't forget, as I said, you need to look after yourself. As they say in the aeroplane, put your own oxygen mask on before you look after other people. You can't pour from an empty cup. So what happens when you do go back to work? There's going to be anxieties. People are going to feel what's going to happen. I've worked well from home. I don't want to go back. There's going to be perhaps some people that wanted to work from home before, but they couldn't because work from home wasn't possible. Well, now it is. What's going to happen then? Certainly in occupational health, I've had people refer to me. They want to work from home. 
is there a medical reason for them doing so? Well, actually now it might be that, you know, they've proved they can. What ongoing measures are there going to be in place? Will they still need to wear masks in the workplace? The distancing, the canteens, all those things, what's it going to be like? I wonder what the impact on sickness absence will be. As far as, you know, the, the distancing, there might be reduced sickness absence. What are, the, are people's fears going to be? Again, talk to them, ask them. They're going to be deconditioned, they might be unfit. So if you're working in perhaps a manufacturing environment that people haven't been able to do, they might now just need a little bit of toning back up to get them back fit enough to be able to do the, the work. So I've just included lots of references and resources for you on these next slides, various toolkits that are available and some helplines, some um, access to CBT, some links there. So if you haven't got an EAP or something, you can use these other things. And I think that takes me to time. So thank you very much for listening. And as um, Simon said, we'll take questions if we can now. I'll stop sharing my screen. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Wendy. Thanks, Andrew. Uh, thank you all for listening. It's, um, it's been interesting. We do have a couple of questions through already. Um, one ties in very nicely. So I'm going to pick on Sue's question. Uh, she mentions that she's concerned about the increased burden being placed on line managers to monitor the well-being of their teams. This alongside the normal workload when they need support themselves, particularly when likely to be a vulnerable mental health demographic, demographic perhaps. What advice would you give to the leaders of the line managers, for example? Is that one to me? Please. Go yep. for it, Wendy. Thank you. Um, so as I probably tried to put across quite a few times there, so important to look after yourself because if you're not well, then you're not going to be well enough to look after other people. You can't take responsibility for everybody and that's why you need to signpost. You can recognise those changes, you can support them as best you can, but actually you're not their GP. That's what the GP's for. So signpost signpost them to the, as I say, if you've got an EAP, if you haven't, there's things like time to talk. Each area now has a, um, a system of being able to self-refer for psychological support. So don't take it on yourself. It's not your responsibility, but guide them. Does that cover it, I wonder? can't see you, so I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have another question. Um, we'll do our best here. And with these questions, what I was gonna say is, we will we'll do a big LinkedIn post on Monday, which will enable everyone here to connect with Andrew and Wendy directly. We'll also, with their permission, if you guys are happy to share your slides for the event, there's been a few questions asking for the slides, so we can make those available as well as the full recording. So everything should be available. I've got a, a, another question here, if we've got time, last one. Do you? This is from Peter. Um, this, this also touches on the, um, the vessel that you mentioned, Wendy. Do you think there's a danger of generalizing the impact that the pandemic has had on people. We've all been through the same storm, as you mentioned, but not in the same boat, as you mentioned. Um, are you worried that organisations may be trying to adopt a one-size-fits-all approach to employee support and well-being? Um, you know, mental scarring is a real issue, and and are we ready to deal with it as a as an industry? It's a big question. It's a big question. I'll try and break that down. Um, so I think it goes back to 
knowing that everybody is different, our life experience will shape our own view of the world. Um, as far as individuals, I think that's where the Wellness Action Plan comes in really. I think they're really, really good tools. I personally think they shouldn't just be for people with mental health problems. I think everybody should have a Wellness Action Plan because that goes through what do the, does that individual need? You know, for example, um, somebody might have a manager that comes across and says, oh, what are you doing? How's it going? Um, and they might think that's really good. Oh, thanks ever so much. They're taking an interest in me. The next person might think, well, how dare you come and check on me? So absolutely recognising that we've all got different needs and we're all different is vital. And I would suggest, therefore, looking at the Wellness Action Plan for the individual requirements um, might help. Hopefully that answers that big question. Thanks, Wendy. I've got a, a question from an anonymous attendee. Very exciting. Uh, and this may be in Andrew's direction, although obviously feel free to, to participate, uh, Wendy. It's um, how would you deal with employees asking to reduce working hours due to childcare, but expect full time pay on the proviso of discrimination due to COVID, i.e. they don't choose to be at home working and childcaring? OK. Um People are entitled to be paid for the work that they do. There is no entitlement to be paid for uh, you know, full time if people are not working full time. It's unfortunate if um, you know, circumstances have caused particular individuals not to be able to work, uh, work full time. But if you are, are going to agree to allow them to work part time, there's no uh, obligation upon you to offer full time pay. Now, there's obviously an employee engagement issue here about no, whether you, know, you, you choose to do so or uh, I, I know some employers, for instance, would uh, allow someone to reduce their hours for a, a very short period of time by, say, by, say 20%, but, only, uh, but agree to reduce their salary by only 10%. Um, so that, you know, there are ways in which you, can, uh, which you can deal with it. And a lot will depend upon how forthright the individual is that you are dealing with. Um, as well, and dare I say, how important they are to your organisation as well, and the role in which they're, they're working. Thank you. And I've got this probably be the last question, and this is also for Andrew, but those of you that have posed questions, I've got a transcript of those. So again, I will get them across to Andrew and Wendy, who can perhaps respond to you. But um, this is from Emma. Um, seeing a lot of poor mental health cases mixed with declining performance, we're seeking occupational health support for guidance on reasonable adjustments and implementing these. However, the performance is still concerning and having a significant impact on business, teams and clients. At what point do we consider a more formalised performance improvement plan without risking potential disability discrimination? Best of luck. Thank you. Um as I say, the important thing that you need to bear in mind always is that people are employed to do certain jobs. Yes, if you are disabled, you do have certain rights as well. And you do need to be very careful about not to discriminate because of something arising from disability. But there's always going to be some justification at the end of the day. If somebody cannot do the job and you've done everything you can to, to improve their performance, Taking into account occupational health advice, which is which is which is, which is you know, clearly very important in, in this scenario, then at the end of the day, if they cannot do that job, you've got to consider well, what else can they do? 
you need to have that honest discussion with them. See if there's other, you know, other roles or reduced roles that they can carry out so that you can get other people to carry out the parts of the job that they're not carrying out well or recruit new people. Obviously, there'll be issues regarding budget there. You know, you can't just hire more and more people. Um, so, you know, it may be that you do have to consider the termination of employment, but there will be steps to go through. There'll be investigations for you to go through. It will definitely involve having up-to-date occupational health um, advice to decide you know, what more can be done or have you reached the end of the road? Can I, can I jump in? Um, what I would also just go back to what I'd said about, you know, some people need targets, some people maybe can't manage targets. So again, that conversation with the individual, is it that actually they need help with their structure by giving them a deadline might actually in this occasion help them because some people need deadlines to work better. So again, it's the conversation, because what will work for one won't work for another. Thanks both. And, and thank you all for coming. I mean, this is, I've really enjoyed this, however stressed I was beforehand about uh, hosting this event. But thanks a lot to Andrew. Thanks a lot to Wendy for your contribution and doing all the, the heavy lifting. Uh, thank you all for coming and tuning in. What will happen now is you, everyone that's attended will receive an email with a feedback form. Please do take literally two minutes to complete that and return it via email. Um, as I said, on Monday, there will be a big LinkedIn post that will hopefully summarize everything you need from today's session and give you the chance to connect directly with uh, Andrew and Wendy, as well as see the slides and, and get the video of the event if you, if you require that. Um, but yes, from there, you know who we all are. If you need us, we're all keen to help, happy to help. I wish you know you all um, a fantastic rest of the week. And, and genuinely, I suppose it's silly not to make this comment. I've, I've been talking to HR professionals for, for 18 years. The last one year has clearly been a very, very challenging time. We've been talking to a lot of people who have worked harder, worked longer, had to pivot and be more, more flexible in their approach and have generally kept businesses running as best they can and affecting huge transformation. So genuinely, I just wanted to say, you know, well done and, and, and keep going because it's a fantastic industry to be in and a really challenging time for HR professionals. And, uh, you know, we, we, the team at Alexander Lloyd, recognise that and, and salute you, basically. But uh, thanks for tuning in today. I hope it was useful. And um, there will be many more of these events. So stay tuned. We will invite you and speak to you soon. Many thanks for today. Cheers, everyone. Thank you. Bye.